Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. And they took their journey from Elim, and all of the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, after their departing out of the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in this wilderness. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. In the setting of this passage, God had just miraculously moved in mighty ways to deliver the Israelites from Pharaoh. God had brought them out of Egypt and defeated their enemies in the sea before their very eyes. All of Exodus chapter 15 was a song of praise that they sang to God about how he had so moved to bring forth such undeniable and miraculous victories against their foes. Yet as soon as the singing stopped and chapter 16 begins, we see that they went from praising God for his great power and might right into the wilderness of sin and began to murmur against him, his methods, his wisdom, and the very power that had just brought them this great victory and deliverance. Now the name of this wilderness, I believe, is by no means a coincidence, as we know that God works all things together. In the native tongue, the name of this wilderness meant thorns, if you remember from your early readings of the book of Genesis, you will recall that thorns did not exist before the fall of man, before they sinned, but rather came about because of sin, which in actuality is a lack of faith in the words that God has spoken. When Adam and Eve lacked faith in what God said, they doubted what he had originally told them, and they sinned. Therefore, man's original sin was a lack of faith or unbelief. Because of this sin, the ground was cursed and thorns came up, making life very difficult for them. From that point on, you can read about this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 18. Therefore, I believe that in the providence of our God and King, this wilderness full of thorns is called sin because that they are one in the same, or at the very least, they are cause and effect. Therefore, when Jesus bore our sin upon him, he bare also a crown of thorns. Jesus expounds upon this truth in his telling us of the good seed that was sown in thorny ground. He explains that the good seed is his word. It is planted and it grows and even produces good fruit. The very character of the Holy Spirit of Jesus inside of you. This represents a person who has heard the word of God and received it. It was planted in them and began to manifest through them. It was producing fruit, which is the evidence of the faith in our hearts, manifesting from our lips and our lives. But then these thorns came up and choked it out. 
and it dies. Jesus tells us that the thorns were, quote, the cares of this world. In other words, fears, worries, doubts, distractions, the deceitfulness of riches, a desire for the easy ways of men. When things got less easy, then they gave up the struggle and the faith in them, in what God had both told them and done for them, died. The thorns stirred up unbelief in the words that God had planted in them, and even with the fruit of it laying right before them, they gave up, and the thorns won and took over. Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, we read the words of Jesus when he said, He also that receiveth seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, but yet the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches came up and choked out the word that that person then became unfruitful. And of course, we know what Jesus said happens to an unfruitful tree. It is cut off, withers, dies, and is cast into the fire. It doesn't inherit the promise. This is exactly what happened to the Israelites God had told them to do something. He had given them the promise of victory and reward. He had proven his words with great deliverance and victories already. Yet even as the fruit of this laid right before them, as soon as the struggle started to get tough and faith was required to press on, they entered into the wilderness of sin, a land of thorns. Unbelief sprung up, and they began to murmur their doubts against both Moses and God. Sadly, just like for Adam, these thorns of sin would prove to make their lives very miserable from here on out. This began their wandering in the wilderness as they tried year after year to achieve victory their own way, in their own strength, by their own means, but yet could not, for promise only comes by faith. Therefore was the promised land given only to those who chose to believe, having faith that overcame fear even when it didn't make sense. Fear of friends, fear of failure, fear of famine, fear of foes, fear of giants, and fear of woes, of the over two million people who left Egypt, only two proved to have a faith bigger than all their fears. And of the original two million, only these two, Joshua and Caleb, entered into the promise. So my friend, today I implore you of this, choose to not be overtaken by the sin of unbelief and die in the wilderness like the Israelites did, but rather choose to put those thorns under your feet and press on believing, no matter what. And as you do, do not be surprised if it seems that almost no one else believes like you do. Because almost no one else believed like Joshua and Caleb did. And they all missed the promise because of it. There have always been only a few that truly dare to believe. And they were all thought fools for doing so, yet God calls them great before history 
And in the end, he called them friend and son, saying, Well done, my good and faithful ones. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, Jesus himself says this to us. He says, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And there truly are very few who find it. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 17, we read, But with whom was God grieved for forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness, and to whom he sware that they should not enter into his rest? But who were they but them who believed not, so that we can now see that they could not enter in because of unbelief? Because that in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we read this, that without faith it is impossible to please him. Therefore, those who come to him must believe that he is God. And I like to add to that point that if you truly believe that he is God, then you must believe that he has all the attributes of God, that nothing is too hard for him, that he is loving, caring, faithful, and able to fulfill his promises. As long as you keep believing and pressing towards the mark of the high calling. Keep praising, keep singing, keep taking the territory like Joshua and Caleb did. He said they could have it, so they went in. They weren't afraid of the giants that stood there to resist them. Because if God could part a sea, if he could take down Egypt and Pharaoh and all of the earthly kings, then what are these giants to him? Yes, they were like grasshoppers in their sight. They were weak and frail men of low degree, but they had a mighty king. And they believed in the deliverance of the God who was with them. Oh Lord, let that faith be in me and manifest it to the generations that they might also believe through my testimony. I'm not afraid to enter in to the land of giants. And possess it because you have given it unto me as a promise therefore you yourself will deliver it into my hand and defend it as long as I'm willing to stand and give you the glory for it the passage continues to say that they also have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him a life of faith is not a lazy Christianity that says, I'll just live my own life my own way, and then he will just give me all these great blessings. No, we have to seek him, his wisdom, his way. We've got to give up our will. We've got to pick up our cross and follow after Jesus. We have to crucify our life. We have to die to who we are, our plans, our plots, our ambitions, and we have to follow after Jesus. We have to obey to leave Egypt and to press on through that wilderness of sin, following him, not settling in it. We've got to be willing to go into the land that is full of giants. We've got to be willing to face the bulls and the bees to get to the milk and the honey that he has promised me. But he will deliver it because he is a faithful king. And he is more than able to finish what he started in me. As long as I don't quit or sit and do my own thing or live my own life because that is unbelief. I've got to maintain my faith in what he has to say. 
both in his word and in the prayer closet, the things he has spoken to us personally in our lives? Is there a promise that you have let die? It's time to ask the Holy Spirit to come today and breathe on it and bring it back to life. Because I have great faith in this, that my God and my King carries within him the power of resurrection. And he is able to revive anything. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 24 tells us this, that by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season that he esteemed the reproach of Christ far greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward he believed for the promise that was coming. Moses was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He could have been ruler over Egypt, the leader of the modern world of that time. He could have had all of the riches and pleasures of the works of men's hands, but he chose to lay it all down to follow God out into a wilderness and to trust every word that he spoke to him, that there was a greater promise and reward coming, that there was something greater than what any man could produce on this earth that there is a kingdom not made by hands and there was a place for Moses in it as long as he was willing to keep the faith in the words that God had spoken to him and follow him out of this place of ease and into a place of difficulties but that God would be with him in the midst of it and he would come to know him in a way that he could not had he still been depending on Pharaoh and their crops and the floods of the Nile and the gods of Egypt, which Paul tells us that when the Gentiles worshipped them, they actually worshipped demons. So today I think we need to search our heart and say, what have we put our faith in? What have we been worshipping? What have we depended on? Have we trusted more in the treasures of Egypt, the works of men's hands? Have we worshipped the idols of the land, which God tells us puts us in a place of demon worship? whether we realize it or not? Or are we willing to put our faith fully in what God has spoken to us? Lord, we repent today for the sin of unbelief. And we ask that you take us out of this wilderness that we've been wandering aimlessly in for far too many seasons. Let us be counted among the Joshuas and the Calebs that have faith to enter into the promise, even if we got to face some giants to do it. Because there's no giant that is bigger, stronger, or more powerful than the God who led us to it. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.